0: like maybe he left his office you know if you've ever walked downtown chicago it's hard to find sunlight because the buildings are so tall and um so he was um walking and it would appear that he left his office and went out to get lunch i don't know if it was subway i just happened to find this in our trash in here but um but it's been a long time ago too but he had a bag and i could tell he was finishing his lunch and um So here he is, he's finished his lunch, and he's got this bag of trash. And he's got a ways to go before he gets back to his office. So he's walking along those busy streets in Chicago, and um, he gets to a place where there's a fence. This is my pretend fence here. And uh, he does this, he does this. And he walks off. I hope you've never done that. But that's what he did. And it came to mind as I thought about this chapter because there were two things that that man was guilty of. Number one, he was guilty of ignoring God. He never looked up and thought about what God would think about his littering. And the second thing, he not only ignored God... He only remembered himself. It wasn't convenient to wait for however many blocks it was to where his office building was to throw it in a receptacle where it should have been put. But it was more convenient right then. Didn't want to keep carrying it, so he tossed it over the fence. Not in a littering sense, but in a lawsuit sense, that's what's happening in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the first eight verses. In fact, we've been talking about all the way through our study in 1 Corinthians how the big issue that they were dealing with that Paul was encouraging them was the problem of division among believers. And you know you've come to a heightened state of division when believers in the same church are suing one another, going to law, as it's mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 6. Now, I do need to point out maybe a couple of things that are important foundationally before we look at how we get to the law of love out of all of this. And that is this. What we're talking about here in 1 Corinthians 6 is not... Criminality or crime breaking the law is what we call civil law. And lawyers practice different aspects there. We are obligated as a church family and certainly as a pastor, if I know of something that's a crime, I'm obligated to tell it to the authorities. That is vitally important. But we're not talking about a crime here against the government. We are talking about, in the city of Corinth here, we're talking about civil matters. You saw the word defraud in the text. It has It's a broad word, but it has, one connotation of it is, taking advantage of someone financially. Have you ever had somebody take advantage of you financially and you know how you feel? But it's not limited to just financial situations. So that becomes... Very, very important that we understand that. The other thing that's important is to realize that typically in Rome and in Greece at Bible times, those governments really wanted the Jews to handle their own matters. That's what the synagogue was for. And they really didn't want to get involved. In fact, you remember at the crucifixion of Jesus, the high-ranking government officials, Pilate, Herod, that group, they didn't want anything to do with the Jews' matter until the Jews cried for what? Crucify him, they said. Crucify him. And then they knew they needed to intervene. And what did Pilate say? I find no fault in that man. And yet, because of the pressure, he did it. So, generally, the Jewish faith back then and the Greek Culture would not intermix when it came with lawsuits. And so there there was a government even back then that didn't want to get involved in church-related non-criminal matters. But you can see what has happened here and that Paul is addressing a situation that has come up where brother here, has gone to law before um, the unjust, it's called, and not before the saints. And so what I want us to look at this morning is the importance of the law of love as it relates to two entities, two entities. So I have really just two main points this morning. That's the good news. The bad news is I forgot my watch. And, um, and I can't read that clock up there because of the glare. But um, anyway, no, we'll be quick about it. Don't worry. Um, but uh, the first thing I want you to notice is the law of love should be the residing attribute in the church. Paul is condemning Corinthian believers because they are taking their civil disputes their offenses their differences before an unjust judge and not allowing the church to do it do you realize folks that as a church family here we have responsibility to take care of our differences and let brotherly love continue. We looked at Hebrews. And the importance of you and I dealing with matters in the spirit of Christ and according to the word of God. What's so unfortunate, and I guess it's in part because of our litigious society that we live in, it's a tragedy when you begin to look up how many Christians, even churches, are suing other Christians over things that should never, ever happen. The church ought to have a prominent place where love is utilized and love is used to bring factious parties together. Does that make sense? Isn't that really what this is all about? You know, I'd like to believe... But as old as I am, being in church as long as I am, you won't find any church where you can come together and everything's just rosy and everybody is uh, you know flying around on angel wings and enjoying themselves. It um, doesn't work that way. There are always problems in the church. You know why? We're all sinners, aren't we? All of our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Every man at his best best state is altogether vanity. We want to walk in the Spirit. We don't want to be somebody that defrauds or offends or hurts another brother or sister in Christ. And yet it happens, doesn't it? And Paul is addressing here that it's happened in the Corinthian church. And as I mentioned to you when we started this book study way back in January, that division is one of the themes that Paul keeps coming back around to. You see why he comes back around to it. Now they're they're not divided. Remember the first division that they saw? Well, I'm of Paul. He led me to the Lord. Well, I'm of Apollos. He's far more a better orator than Paul is. Well, I'm of Cephas. Peter, you know, I mean, that guy's bold as a lion. There was division over personality, over people. But here we see division even to the point of suing someone. And and the problem that we see is that they're not using the church. What are they doing? Look with me at the text. You go to law, verse 1, before the unjust and not before the saints. Now, the idea of unjust does not mean inept. It does not mean immoral. I'm sure even in America today, we have got godly Christian judges in our court system. Okay, I can't say I know of any, but I do believe they're there. Okay, And I know there are Christian lawyers, because I know several of them. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Paul is not condemning that these people won't be fair, won't be equitable. The problem is they are unsaved. They're not genuine believers. And why have people that don't have the word of God and the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God, settle issues among you? Have you ever heard this phrase? Don't, let's say. Don't share your dirty laundry. Is that how they say it? Um, What do we mean by that? Everybody has challenges and problems. The question is, how are we going to handle? It's handling matters that are so vitally important in the Christian faith. Would you agree? Whoa, offenses will come. It's going to happen. It's real. It's part of being a human and, and the nature that we have. But it's how we deal with them, how we handle them, that becomes vitally important. Paul is saying, you realize what you're doing? You are not only missing the law of love among the church family to help you settle these differences, but you're also giving a bad testimony to lost people, not that lost people aren't aware of sin, but what, are they, what do lost people expect of believers? What do they expect of a church family? Don't they expect a higher standard? Don't they expect a greater degree of godliness? That's why, as a church, we're not just concerned about how we talk and how we look and how we act when we're in the building, We're concerned about every one of us, how we conduct ourselves, what we look like, how we talk everywhere we go in our community, everywhere we go outside of our community. We are a testimony first and foremost for who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants us to be that model of Christ likeness, Christ likeness, walking in the spirit. Not letting the flesh. Can you imagine some of the arguments that these unjust judges were hearing from Christians? They probably sounded worse than some of the lost people that came before the judge. And what a shame and what a tragedy that really is. God wants us, he demands of us, that the church become a family that deals with The matters that happen in every church family. He's not applauding here that somebody is defrauding. And that idea of defrauding is the idea of taking advantage of. It doesn't always have to do with money. It's a very general term in the Greek. But it has the idea of somebody took advantage of you. You know that feeling? When someone has done something and you feel like you are the victim? Someone has done something that hurts you and really is bothering you? And how do you deal with it? This is not saying just ignore the problem. Paul is saying don't forget the love that's supposed to be manifest in the church of God. A love that says, we're going to talk about matters. We're going to deal with them. We're going to open the Word of God and we're going to let it be our guide to how we should handle differences, hurts, offenses. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Pretty quiet this morning. I hope nobody's going nobody's suing anybody here. I don't know of any of those issues. But but the truth of the matter is, we say in our statement of faith. And in our governance model that we understand this principle and that as a church member, you are obligated to follow arbitration within the church family. We are to talk about things. We are to work things out. We are to never go outside and share our dirty laundry, so to speak. We are to deal with them in the spirit of Christ, Notice, would you, the first word in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. What's that word? Dare? That's an unusual word. You don't see that a lot in scripture. Um, but it really um, has significance here. And it means extreme conduct. Paul is saying your extreme conduct, your bringing before unrighteous judges and not letting the church that you're a part of help you resolve those things. This isn't speaking about somebody who says something maybe sounds a little unkind and you need to go to them and you need to work it out and convey and make sure you have an understanding. This is something more serious than that. It's not criminal, but... It's an issue that really has caused significant problems. That word dare is a significant word. It's almost, um, Paul is almost saying, I can't believe what you're doing. I hear this report and I'm shocked that you would, first of all, get to this extreme nature of conduct within the church family. And secondly, that you would take it before unjust judges, lost people, to settle the matter. It's terribly important that we understand what Paul is saying. Go to verse 2. And I think Paul himself may get a little bit sarcastic here. Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? We're talking here, if you were to go to Daniel, if you were to go to the book of Jude, go to the book of Revelation, we know this about the end times. God has reserved a judgment. And all of those that are genuine believers that are part of the kingdom of God, that are part of that group that gets caught up, raptured, or gets taken out of the grave because they're believers, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And that ruling and reigning is going to include this matter. That's what Paul is alluding to here. He's reminding them, Hey, listen, you might say it this way. Are you not aware that someday you're going to be a Supreme Court judge? And if you're going to be a Supreme Court judge, don't you understand that right now you need to have the wisdom to know how to handle the lower court rulings and judgments that come on? That's what Paul is saying here. And he's saying, where should it be? It should be in the church. It should be in the church. How important it is for you and I to understand what God has given us in the way of a church family. I um, spent time this last week <clears throat> up at KU, the hospital, with the Palmyers. Myers. And um, Denise is a saved at an earlier age. Bill at a later age. And so I was finishing up and praying with them. And I said, Bill, is there anything else that we can do to help you? His wife was laying there at that point in time, not doing well at all. In fact, they called for the elders. We went up and prayed over her. And um, we um, are sitting there talking. And Bill says, you know what, Pastor? Pastor? He said, I didn't grow up in church. And I really am still a pretty young believer. But I am so encouraged by people that have come to visit my wife, to minister to her, to pray for her, to offer to take meals, do those kinds of things. Church, we're a family. We're a family and we need to treat each other like a family. It's a tragic story. You hear of it now and then. Where even family members sue other family members. Should never happen. Should always be one of working out our differences and our problems. Being able to handle things. And by the way, when he says there in verse 4, if then... Ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life. Set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. You know what he's saying? Least esteemed doesn't mean an inferior church member. It means somebody who doesn't, is not in maybe a position of leadership in the church. Not a pastor, not a deacon, not somebody in leadership. The least esteemed, everybody in the church of God should have the spirit of God and the spirit that says we're going to follow the word. Let's talk about this. Let's work the problem out. Do you see the importance of this? Now I know we're not involved here that I know of anybody suing anybody. But like my little littering example, by the way don't let me forget to get the subway bag I threw up there. Um, But do you know what you know what these people were doing? They were looking around at others in the church, they were pointing fingers at somebody who they felt had defrauded them, no perspective of what God thought. You know what? It's more convenient to go tell somebody else than it is go talk to a brother or sister in Christ about something that's a problem. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? The New Testament is replete with warning, Matthew 18, other passages about going and talking, Galatians 6, the priority of you and I being faithful to talk to one another and work out these differences. Oh, how significant it is. I wrote this down. The answer for problems, contentions, arguments, between Christians is a church that loves God and loves other believers and loves sinners. When my Bible tells us that we are to even love our enemies, I hope we don't view anybody else in the church as an enemy. But love is the priority, the law of love. That's what he's saying here. So the first thing he's saying is, That the church needs to be a place of love and the church should not be neglected in handling matters always first, never going to lost people to settle the matter. Here's the second. The priority of the Christian. Not just the place of the church, but the priority of the Christian. What is the priority of you and I as a Christian? love. The greatest of these is love. James calls it the royal law, the law of love. Love God first and foremost and love our neighbor as ourselves. These folks had totally forgotten, had totally neglected to deal with love. Now I don't know about you, But I don't find everybody equally lovable. Do you? Easy to love? But that makes no difference. The question isn't, are they lovable enough to be loved? The question is, are they breathing? If they're breathing, I am to love them. Would you agree? Is that what the Bible says? So here they are. Not only did they not utilize the church that should be a place of love and care and doing right things. But as individual believers, they totally lost track of their priority to love one another. I um, read about, oh boy, if you wanna talk about, if you wanna find out all kinds of interesting stories, all you gotta do is Google lawsuits. And uh, man, it's unbelievable. But anyway, true story. A pastor out in California is sitting at a stoplight and a city bus comes up and the driver stops. But then when the light turns green, the car, the pastor's car, he didn't. Now I know all of us are tremendously patient. But the car didn't move like that. And the bus driver wasn't paying good attention and he put his foot on the gas and he bumped the car. Well, you know you know what city buses are like? Big, heavy, huge, high, high bumpers. Here's this little car. It did no damage to the bus whatsoever. But it crinkled the back trunk of the pastor's car. And they get out and they share information and they do all that. Well, the pastor had in his church... A man that did body auto body repair, I think they call it, and he took it to that guy uh, even that day, and the guy said, "Hey, listen, no big deal. Um, I'll I'll do it for free. Uh, all I need is you to pay the parts. I think it'll be a couple hundred bucks." Okay, pastor said. The next day, the insurance company for the bus company or the bus I guess it was the city bus, um, called the pastor up and said, um, yes, I heard we had a little incident yesterday and I want you to know we're willing to offer you $500 today. By the way, that's the way insurance companies work. You know, quick settlement, low ball, give you $500. I'm not sure this insurance agent had ever dealt with a pastor before. The pastor said, well, sir, uh, I want you to know that um, I've already talked to a man in my church, and um, he's going to fix it for $200. It's no big deal. When talking to the bus driver, I knew that he um, it was totally an accident. I know he's a good guy. Don't worry about it. Dead silence on the phone. In fact, that insurance guy said to this pastor, could you say that again? So he told him again. Do you realize what a witness that pastor was? Did you notice in our text in these verses verse 5 I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother go to law with brother and that before unbelievers. Now here's the verse. Now, therefore, there is utterly a fault among you because ye go to law one with another. Here's the key point that I'm trying to make the priority of the Christian. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Can I tell you something that happens as a principal every year? Two kids come in, and they've been doing something wrong to each other. And you know what invariably the discussion goes to? Who did it first? He pushed me first, principal. He pushed me first. You know what they're saying? I pushed him back, but I'm totally innocent. I did exactly what they did, but I'm okay. It's them that's the problem. You realize what that's exactly? Exactly. What's going on here? As adults, we shouldn't act like kids. We shouldn't have that spirit of, it was their fault. Get them. Oh, well, they're not getting taken care of. I'll take care of them. I'll do the same thing back. Notice the word, the same word, defraud, is used there. It's the exact same word. We miss the priority of loving one another. Hey, listen, it's great to read the text in the middle of no problem. But if you've ever had anybody, I mean anybody, do something to you that was a believer that really hurt you or that really cost you money or that really um, created a real problem for you, you know it's not easy to what does the gospel say? Turn the other cheek. If he asks your coat, give him a tunic as well. If he asks you to go a mile, go two. Isn't that the law of love? We know love is not about feeling. It's about choosing. Love is about doing the right thing, no matter what happens. I personally think here, and a little speculation on my part, but I really think this probably dealt with money. And I was reminded that the love of money is the root of all evil. So be careful, church, if you feel like somebody has taken advantage of you financially and they're a believer. It doesn't mean you shouldn't talk to them. In fact, I've been involved through the years in a number of arbitration situations between a brother or sister in our church and another church, and the other pastor and I get together with them and arbitrate out and work out what's the right way to handle the matter. You know what I'm saying? The law of love. That guy I saw throw the litter over the fence when nobody was looking, he loved only one thing, himself. He had no perspective that somebody was going to have to clean that up. Here Paul talking to these Corinthian believers is saying oh my goodness you are shameful in the way you are acting toward one another and what you're doing here. So here's my wrap up. The law of love extends to believers who defraud us and even to our enemies. Don't Ruin your soul over injustices. One account I read of a godly Christian attorney. And this attorney was talking about this chapter. And he said, you know, I have had to get involved with Christians that wanted to sue other Christians and I work diligently to not take their money and to convince them it's not suing that they should be doing. Let's get some people together. Let's arbitrate the matter. He says, here's what I have found out. In every one of my cases where they've been willing to arbitrate and be reasonable and sensible, things have worked out. But when people sue Another person, another Christian, even if they win the lawsuit, they become so embittered. Both parties become embittered, hateful, angry, spiteful. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live that way. Paul is saying here, hey, guys, hey, listen. Can't you take Wrong. Do you realize that our whole being here today is because the Lord Jesus, sinless, perfect God-man, took wrong? Who's wrong? Point to yourself. He took your wrong. That's why we have any business even being here. This is not calling for us to be omnipotent or omniscient or omnipresent. This is calling us to be loving. As Christians, are we to be loving? Yes, we are. I hope the testimony of this church and I hope your testimony is one of forgiving, loving, Forgetting? If you've got a mental file drawer of all kinds of wrongs that people have done, purge the files. I heard somebody acid wash their files one time. Probably be a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Well, How do you get rid of things that people hurt you? You forgive them. How many times do you forgive them? Peter asked a good question. Hey, Jesus, you think I'm doing a good thing if I forgive them seven times? What would Jesus say? How about 70 times seven? And I don't think Jesus was calling on him to be a mathematician. He was saying, you keep forgiving, you keep. We're talking about hard stuff here, guys. There's nothing easy about this. I notice nobody's laughing this morning. You know why we're not? You know why we're so serious? Because this is such a hard thing to deal with. How do you deal with it? Lord, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That means I can forgive. That means I can love them even if they're hard to love. That means I can move on. That means if I've been taken advantage of financially, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Don't ruin your soul over injustices. Are you living this morning with love for brethren? whether they're in this body or in another body of believers? Are you living today with a forgiving spirit? It's very possible that looking at this text, the Spirit of God might have spoken to some of you about right now this morning needing to forgive somebody that you're holding something against. Could I encourage you? Deal with it today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Litter's the illustration. Lawsuits were the problem that Paul was addressing. But the law of love is what needs to be a priority for you and me. How about it today? Did God speak to you in some way? You haven't been forgiving. You haven't been loving. You haven't been kind. You've been avoiding someone rather than reaching them. I talked to the deacons Wednesday night. We just had our election and we had our first meeting. We talked about the very reason that the church has deacons is because in that early church there was some needs that were being neglected. Those needs caused a bunch of noise to happen. They called it murmuring. And because of that noise, the problems needed to be addressed. We need to run to the noise, not away from the noise. We need to run to the problems, not away from the problems. Lord Jesus, hard chapter. very hard. The law of love. Same love you had for us. We didn't run toward you, you ran toward us. Your love lifted us to be able to be here today and have eternal life. Would you help us, Lord, to have that same kind of love one for another? Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that needs to handle a matter with another. I'm not talking about lawsuits. I'm talking about any kind of hurtful, defrauding um, problem. I pray that the law of love would be the priority for all of us. Lord, we thank you today.